You're listening to The B-Side, a podcast of Blessed Hope Community Church. Hey, this is Malia, your host as usual. I feel like I needed to add that today. Um, We are here almost full staff. We've got Shauna and David and Matt. Um, You guys, this is the podcast we've all been waiting for. Maybe 10 of you. I don't know. I was going to say, who's all all been waiting for? I feel like we've been talking about this since what, like the the spring or it was before you went on sabbatical. Actually, this was what prompted Coffee and Conversation. That's true. Because we actually originally talked about... We're going to talk theology. We were going to talk about different... And then we we got stuck with evil and sexuality and some of those things. So we had been talking about this. Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel like... And we are... I'm drinking coffee. My small group either last year or the year before had been saying like this would be really good to hear because it's no secret that you guys land in some different places um and so this should be a lot of fun so um what are we what are we talking about today matt um we're talking about the difference between reformed theology and arminianism when it comes specifically to the idea of predestination Mm -hmm. or election um and then um, you know, if you carry that to its logical end conclusion to this idea of, of perseverance of the saints or what we would commonly say, once saved, always saved. Sure. Uh, that's really the crux of it, the way I would break it apart. I, know, mm-hmm. I think those no. are the burning questions. Yeah. Well, and have. I think everything, everything, <laughs> all the other questions flow from those right. questions, right? right? So there's a, a litany of other questions to consider is, you know, what is, what is God's role in calling people? What is free will? Um, how does God promise and, and, and free will and how do those things work together? But all of that flows from kind of the, the overriding question of what is election? It's real. The Bible talks about it, but what exactly mm-hmm. does it mean? Right. Um, and, and then how do we understand that? Right. Well, so. and before we get into it, I just want to highlight um, Matt has been doing some serious studying to prepare, right? You've mm-hmm. been prepping for this. Um, and David comes in today and he's like, yeah, I spent like 30 minutes yesterday, <laughs> which that's just the difference in mm-hmm. their personalities. And I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Matt has a whole packet typed up. Yes. Notes. Um, I actually have several packets <laughs> typed up. I, <laughs> yes, I, I've got like, David has a paper with some uh, scribbles. Well, well here, here's the thing about it, right? David's got the Bible on his side. He told me so. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't I mean, use the Bible at all in my right. prep work. <laughs> well, conversation over. <laughs> I so let's let's do this before we get started too is um what we're let's let's talk about what we're going to accomplish through all this so um i would like to hear from both sides um from matt the reformed theology side david the arminianism side um and then talk a little bit about um like do we hold a position of this as a church that sort of thing, and then um, and then I've got some good questions that I've asked some friends for help with. Like, hey, what are some questions you have about this? So hopefully, you guys will be able to answer that. Look at so. you! You're getting big time. She has questions from friends okay. of the ministry. Yes, yeah. from our <laughs> listeners. Awesome, wow! Right? I mean, <laughs> nice. wow! All right, cool. So, so I, I don't know who you want to start or how you want to do this, but can I say something before we start? Yes. I think it's really important. Like David and I are both. Um, 
maybe me more so, but not really, because I think you too, uh, we're sarcastic to the nth degree. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, that just yeah. is what it is. I feel yeah. like the people that yeah. care and want to listen to this podcast already know that. I hope so, because, because it <laughs> right. could be really easy if you didn't know that or didn't understand sure. that, mm-hmm. to think that we really are like biting each other here, or that there really mm-hmm. is. I mean, this is all in good fun, right? It's a serious theology. It's not a major theology. This is an open-handed theology. Right. Meaning that it doesn't impact, which will be funny when I say this, but it doesn't impact your salvation. (laughs) Um, um, Right. Um, But but this is one of those things. Right. We're not talking about we're not talking about things that are like, oh, well, you know what? All of a sudden you're outside of the ministry of the church. You can't like it's okay. We just have fun with it. Yes. Um, And it's going to be a healthy. It is. It's all in good fun. So I just don't want people walking away feeling like, oh, no, man, there's a problem between the staff at the ch- no there's not no. like we're- I think this is what makes this great. I think this is what adds to um, the blessing that both of you are here in our church. Honestly, I think Good. it's fantastic. Well, I'm glad. Um, do you mean the sarcasm? Because I agree. That also. I do enjoy that as well. So yeah, so we remember what is it? In essentials unity, non-essentials liberty, and in all, all things, things charity. Yes. 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 Right. So, so at any point in time, if somebody gets called a heretic, it's all in good <laughs> It's fun. all in yeah. good fun. Because, <laughs> da- because David is planning to throw that at me a couple of times. <laughs> Even though Reformed theology is, by and large, more orthodox. But whatever. Sure. I mean, it's fine. So let's start with David. Here we go. <laughs> Can we first note yeah. that the coffee mug that I'm using that was a gift from Malia for pastor appreciation? Um that says there's no presence for you. It's been predestined. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't make sense to you now, it will when we're done. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. David? Yes. So you It is kind your of a... floor. Yes. Awesome. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, as already said, I am the one that falls to the Arminian side of, of this understanding. And I think it's important to understand a lot of this is also, um, it, it's going to largely depend on what you kind of grew up in also. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, this is, I've been in Baptist churches that really do present more of a reformed theology. I grew up also in the free Methodist, which is very much Wesleyan Arminian in its thinking. So it's not something that I haven't heard both, um, through, mm-hmm. through the course of it. Arminianism just makes more sense to me. Um, so basically it kind of comes down to this. I mean, there's the main points of Arminianism basically come down to this. Um, they put a a lot of emphasis on free will, the gift of free will that God has given to us when it comes to our salvation. So one of the big differences, of course, with Reformed theology is the idea of election and predestination. And I don't want to define that. I'll let Matt provide, you know, kind of the definition of, of the way he sees that. Um, but this idea of God determining who has salvation and who doesn't. I mean, I don't want to simplify it any, but you know, kind of that, that's a big part of the difference with Arminianism is, uh, this theology puts a lot of emphasis on God's grace in providing salvation and man's responsibility to then receive and choose that salvation, the the free will that he's given Mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll get more into that as we go back and forth, you know, kind of the tension between sure. that. Um, but then with that is the election of, um, you know, God not selecting people as far as, well, you, you have salvation, you don't have salvation, this election idea with that. Arminianism falls into because it's based on 
the you know the choice of the person to either receive or reject salvation that um god's election the way we an arminian would read that in scripture is it's based on god's foreknowledge that god knows you know scripturally we say god knows everything god knows the beginning of time end of time actually romans talks about that when paul actually uses the word of election he says that those god foreknew he also elected so that's kind of where it comes from scripturally is this idea of god did not choose necessarily in you're in you're out but he already knew foreknowledge wise who was going to receive christ and who would not so there is this choosing of you know, like I'm going to, because of my grace and giving you free will, I'm going to let you live out your free will to either reject me or to receive me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of where Arminian, Arminianism comes from with that. And this is something that Matt and I agree on. The next one is Arminianism believes that in universal atonement, meaning that Jesus died for everyone. Um, some reform theology teaches, and we'll get into that more, but, mm-hmm. uh, does teach that because God elected certain people for salvation, that Jesus only died for the elect, that he only paid the penalty for the elect. Um, Matt, again, you can speak more when you get to that, but Matt does not agree with that point of reform theology or, you know, that the side of it, which Arminianism doesn't. We believe in unlimited atonement, mm-hmm. meaning Jesus died for the sins of the entire world, that all sins were paid for by Christ. Again, it goes back to that because he paid for the sins of everyone. Now it's up to the free gift of free will to choose to receive the gift or not, you know, or reject it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big point of Arminianism is the idea of resistible grace. Uh, this all again goes back to that first one of free will. So, uh, Reformed theology would teach, you know, because of election, because God has decided, um, his grace is irresistible. Meaning if you are elect, you cannot resist the grace of salvation. Mm-hmm. Arminianism, because it goes back to that free will, would say because you can either receive or reject that God's grace is resistible. That he pours out his grace on everyone, but you can choose to reject, you know, you can resist it and choose to deny the gift of salvation. Um, and then the big one that we'll get to again is then the perseverance of the saints. The idea of, well, once I receive Christ, it is impossible for me to lose my salvation. Uh, Arminianism at its core would, would say you can't lose. See, that's, I don't like the word lose. I hate that word when it comes to this, but Arminianism scripturally would look at some passages of scriptures and say, these speak of people rejecting. Right. So an Arminian is uh, Arminius like myself. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. I, I believe scripture says, you know, nothing can snatch me from Jesus's hand. Nothing can take me from the father's hand. I believe when it says no demon or anything like in Romans where Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That is 100 percent true. But an Arminius would say that everything that's said is not talking about you, meaning you can reject Christ. You can be a person that chooses to turn your back on faith and turn your back on your relationship with Christ. So it gets unfair when people start thinking that Arminius, because it's, you shouldn't live in fear with this. That's how a lot of times it can be presented like, Oh, you better not sin because you're going to cross the line. And there's just one, you know, how many sins can I do before I lose my salvation? Yes. There are people that twist it and they, they do that as a fear-based. I've been in under teaching of people that it's a fear-based thing. It's a control-based thing. Um, where I land with it is 
it's dangerous ground when we try to walk around saying I'm a Christian and then blatantly like, but I'm going to live any way I want. And it's like, wait a minute, you're rejecting grace here. Like that, that doesn't strive. Um, or a person that says, yes, I was a Christian, but I reject all Christianity. I'm re- I reject Christ. It's like, well, okay. Then now Matt can go into it a little bit more, but reformed theology would yeah. most likely say, well, that person probably was never saved to begin with. Right. That might, again, that's not an argument. It's basically saying, I mean, I've known people that I, in my past that I would look at and I would have told you 100% that person's Christian. Mm-hmm. And then things happen and now they've rejected it. And I'm so that's my thing. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say they've rejected their salvation. I'm not God. But that's where an Arminius would land. That sure. There's a possibility they received it and they rejected it. That's where an, because of that free will choice. Okay. So those are the main yep. points yep. of Arminianism. Okay, Matt? Yeah, no, and that's great. I so mean, that, tell us about Reformed theology. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I think that's very clearly laid out, and, and it's compelling, right? I mean, and there's, there's nothing in there. If, you, if you're like, hey, that is where I land, um, great. Like, there's nothing in there that is outside of bounds, and I don't think there's anything that I'll say that David would think is outside of bounds. Um, ultimately, we all know we need Jesus. We all have to choose Jesus for our, our salvation. And, and ultimately, we all need to persevere um, to the end for our salvation to, to be worth anything. Mm-hmm. So I think that one of the reasons why we can minister together, even though we might have differences of opinion here, is because in those key things, yeah, absolutely, we're, we're all in on the same page. Um, there are some, some points of, of reform, reform theology that would land differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first of all, the idea of election um, here, here, basic. We talk predestination or election. Um, predestination is the broader term, um, and it refers to election for believers. And this is the part that stings. Not election for believers. That's easy. But then it necessarily refers to this idea of uh, reprobation for unbelievers, right? Because if God is choosing some for, then that means by His choice, some are destined for the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the part that stings when people think about um, Reformed theology. It's the idea that, wait, wait, did God really create some for punishment? And, and why would God do that? And how could a good God do that? But um, ours isn't to figure out how God could as much as it is to figure out, is this something the Bible talks about? Um, so that's predestination. And then election specifically, which is kind of what we're talking about here, is an act of God before creation, right? Bible says this is before creation in which he chooses some people to be saved, not on account, this is where we would differ, right? Not on account of any foreseen merit, but only because of his sovereign good pleasure. Um, And so it's them choosing, um, God choosing before the world begins, right? Before we're even a thought in, you know, our, our, our father's eye, right? This idea that, that he would call us to himself. Um, so, so that's, that's the main thrust. And then everything flows from that, right? So the idea is that if God does that, right? Well, what happens to free will? Well, Reformed theology would say, well, listen, God does promise our free will, but Nowhere in Scripture does God say that, his, that our free will is not influenced by him. In fact, the opposite comes clear as we look at Scripture, that God frequently influences the free will of the people. He, he talks about this um, ad nauseum through the Old Testament into the New Testament, that um, God directs our free will. 
right? It's, it's, it's one of those things that, that we see, right? We give somebody the freedom to choose, but some things are more attractive to us than others. And so it's very clear that we're going to go one way, not the other. Um, so, so I would agree with David that free will is a thing and, and God promises free will and God honors free will. Um, God is never going to cause someone to choose what they do not desire to choose. Um, and so that is, that is, I think when we think about Arminian theology, I think the, the misnomer there is, well, if you, if you believe in election, right, you believe that people don't really have free will. No, that, that's actually not, um, part of the reform theology. Reform theology would say, yeah, people absolutely have free will. Right, mm-hmm. and it doesn't contradict it to say that that free will lines up with what God has decided beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, that that nobody will ever act in a way that is contrary to what they want to do. Um, and then, as that keeps going through, right? I, I like David said, I would agree with him that the idea of limited atonement isn't something we read in Scripture. Right? We don't read about limited atonement in Scripture. We read that Jesus died for all, um, and so. Reformed theology would agree, um, hey, Jesus died for all. There are some camps in Reformed theology, specifically would, would call five-point Calvinists, mm-hmm. um, that would say, no, we didn't want to, Jesus doesn't waste his blood, right? He only died for the people that will accept him or follow him. Um, but that's not what we read in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read that Jesus died for the world. For Can I all. interrupt you real yeah. quick? So you keep saying reformed theology, reformed theology, yeah. and then now we're kind of talking about the, the five points. So for for those of us that aren't as knowledgeable in this sure. area, what is the difference between, because I, earlier you said, I'm not a Calvinist. So what is the difference between Calvinism and the reformed theology? And where so are we at? Reformed theology basically um, has always existed, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, the, it's basically the understanding from early. Mm-hmm. that this is what it was. Um, and then Calvin came along later and articulated these five points. Um, right. Tulip is how you remember yep. it, right? Um, and then in a response to that, um, what's that guy's name? Joseph Arminian. Joseph Arminian came and said, no, 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 here's, here's my response to Calvin's points. So um, that's Calvinism kind of exists within Reformed theology, although not everybody would agree with all of his points. Uh, right, we would all agree. Arminians, um, Reformed theologians would all agree with the first point, which is total depravity. Right, everyone is born with a sin nature, mm-hmm. and we are unable to be right before God on our own. Everybody agrees with that. Yes. Right. Um, that's just the thing. And so, um, and then you get to this. Um, oh gosh, help me, you. Unconditional, unconditional election. election. That's uh, right because it's just it's just election. If you so yeah. the you we have to see to make it spell something you have to add yes. uh, <laughs> you have to add words. Um, but unconditional election that's where that's where Arminians and Reformed would disagree. Right that that there is um, this idea that God has specifically chosen some mm-hmm. right um, for a reason that only God knows. Mm-hmm. Right for his own goodwill and pleasure, he chose some and rejected others. And frankly, there's a basis for that in Scripture. I mean, one that's what I would say that's what the word election um, and predestination and choose when we get into the the Greek words. That's what they mean. But God did that. If you look in Deuteronomy, He did it with with Israel. Mm-hmm. Right? He says, "I picked you," and it's not because there's anything good about you. 
I picked you out of all of these nations for my glory, for my will, because I chose to. Mm -hmm. And then later on, a couple chapters later in Deuteronomy 9, he he says, um, don't think it's because there was good in you, right? It's because, and then he goes on to say, it's almost like you were the worst, Mm -hmm. right? But for my glory, I chose you and put you in this position. It happens when he chooses Jacob over Esau. Right. And it wasn't because Jacob, he saw in foreknowledge that Jacob was going to be this good guy. Jacob was a tool. Right. Jacob was not (laughs) a good guy. Right. But but God chose beforehand that he would be the one to receive. So that's this idea of of unconditional election. Sorry, Um, I'm still laughing about Jacob Jacob was a tool. Jacob was a tool. (laughs) Uh, Right. Like, I mean. He, he was not what we would say a good yeah. uh, God-following guy, guy un, yeah. until God basically had to break him mm-hmm. later in life. Um, and, and Esau was actually more righteous in his actions towards Jacob when they were later. Mm, um, yeah. and, so, and, but then, and then David talked about the limited atonement, which I would not agree with because the Bible talks about just full mm-hmm. atonement. Um, and, and then here's another area where we would, we would argue... Dif- disagree is that irresistible grace, mm-hmm. right? Um, somebody that believes in election mm-hmm. would say that God's grace for those people is irresistible. The people that God calls, God will have. God mm-hmm. will not be turned away um, in his in his wooing of someone in that way. Um, and then the perseverance of the saints, David alluded to also. It's the idea that... Um, you can't either lose your salvation, and we would say that includes giving it up, right? Sure. That that that's if my salvation is real, then it's real, right? Um, there are a lot of counterfeit faiths out there. There are a lot of counterfeit faiths. Jesus says in Matthew seven, right? Depart from me, even though you talk about me, even though you served me, even though you did things for me. He doesn't say because you walked away from me. You he says, I never knew yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's this idea, I think, that there are a lot of people who think they're saved, mm-hmm. and then eventually they hit a wall and they quit because it gets hard. Jesus actually talks about them in the parable of the soils, right? Like there, there's four kinds of seed. Only one of them in Reformed theology, as we're looking at that parable, only mm-hmm. one of them would be somebody who has a true conversion. Sure. And the, the necessary response from a conversion is fruit, right? Right. The others are, are intellectual, mm-hmm. right? But they're people that don't persevere and therefore it's not real. Um, and that's the one where it's easiest for us to agree on because where David would say, I think, or David, the, the Arminian would say, cause we've talked about this and how we land, the Arminian would say, oh, you know what? I think it was real for them. And then I think they abandon it. Mm-hmm. Well, what do they need? They need it again. Mm-hmm. I would say they had a head knowledge, but it was never real. So what do they need? They need it in the first place. Right. So our approach to people that are wandering from the faith is always going to be the same. Even if we disagree about how they got there, sure. we always would all say, man, they need Jesus and the gospel. So um, not to get off track here, but I just want to like, like why? So why aren't you a five point Calvinist? I'm not a five-point Calvinist, the same reason I am a Reformed theologian. Uh, well, I'm not a theologian, but I agree with Reformed theology, um, is because that is the clearest way for me to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. I tend to make, and, and I'm sure I'm going to be wrong in some ways, 
But when I did, um, when I went to, to school and I, I, I took multiple classes in theology, I've read multiple large theology textbooks. And so, I, I, you know, I've been exposed to all of these different kinds of thoughts and ideas. And one of the things I landed on long ago was if I'm going to be wrong, and I will because of total depravity, right? <laughs> like it just is what it is. You do stupid. I do stupid a lot. I'm broken and messy. <laughs> but, but if I do wrong... Or if I if I if I'm understanding something wrong, then I want it to be because in 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 my own prayerful way, it is the best way I'm understanding what God has put down in Scripture. And I know that that's David's that's David's perspective as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, yep. But for me, as I read Scripture, what seems to make most clear sense is this theology of election. I don't like it. I don't like it, right? But it seems to be what makes sense and what God's saying. I can't agree with limited atonement because God very clearly says that Jesus died for the sins of the world and, and, and that that is the truth. So I tend to make most of my theological inroads based on what's the best way I can understand scripture. Mm -hmm. If I was Mm -hmm. on a desert Island with this Bible, what would I think is true? Sure. So, okay. So do we take a position on this as a church? I mean, clearly not. If the elders, <laughs> well, if the elders don't agree on this, no, I, I don't think so. Because ultimately, what would change? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. what would change if we had a hard and fast position? And I know some churches that do have a hard sure, and fast yeah. position on this. So I'm asking. I mean, I'm assuming but, that people don't know this. So I don't think. I don't think anything would change, right? Mm-hmm. What would we do? Um, Paul, I think, is the one that writes the most about. Um, this idea of election. In fact, he says in, in 2 Timothy, right, it's for the sake of the elect that mm-hmm. I go through what I go through, right? Like I am in jail preaching the gospel because I know God picked some and I want to see it come to fruition, right? And so what would we do if we believed in mm-hmm. election? We would we would do what we're doing, right? Sure. We would preach the gospel, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry so that we could go out and share so that people in their freedom of will could choose to follow Jesus. Right. Um, well, that, that's what an Arminian-focused church would do as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking because we do have some non-essentials that we do take a position on, like complementarianism. We're a sure. complementarian yeah. church. And so, and I know like that's not your background, David, but you still are like, hey, that's where we land as a church. And so that's, you know what I mean? So that's why yeah. I'm asking. You. I, no, I, so I don't think we have, at least I, I've sure. never assumed that we have a stated position. Okay. Um, you know, I think as the guy that does the majority of the teaching, right, mm-hmm. my my bent will shine through more often. Sure. But that's when David does, you know, I mean. Then we the, just watch David sitting with us in the congregation, <laughs> like with his head in his hands, rubbing his temples. I mean, really legit. Everybody should watch David sometimes while Matt's Fair enough. preaching. It's it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please watch me. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's not weird Don't or creepy Don't be picking at your all. nose yeah, over no. there, David. <laughs> well, how's his reaction? Yeah. No. <laughs> so, I, no, I, I would agree with that. I mean, Matt and I, uh, when we first started talking and hanging out and, and just even as past, you know, just separate pastors, I mean, we'd, we'd have discussions on this quite often. Um, but the point was, is, is we'd always come from it. Okay. We come in from different directions, but the way we, the wording we'd use is, you know, can we land the plane in the same place? You know, it's, and that's, that's the mentality of it. As he said, you know, from reform theology, they would say, Hey, there's elect out there and we need to go reach them. And Arminian would say, 
it's welcome to everybody. We need to go reach them, you know, let them mm-hmm. have the choice. Right. So the, the premise is still the same in speaking what you need to speak. It's the same thing with, you know, um, the term I always grew up with. We've joked about it, you know, Reformed theology would say if they looked at somebody that, you know, uh, did they lose their salvation, you know, forfeit their salvation or not, you know, the joke is always, well, we've heard the backsliders, you right, know, yeah. well, both of us would say it doesn't matter if you had salvation, you rejected it or you never had it. You ain't right. Yeah. So you need to get right, yeah. you know, so you, you know, we've come to the same conclusions. We just come from different perspectives on how we get there. Mm-hmm. And that's why we can have these discussions and be sarcastic to each other. Because, you know, it, it's like, right. it's not a division point on the road we get right. to get there, but we get there from the same place. Yeah, so. I mean, right. David likes to go the wrong direction, <laughs> and, I like to, and I like to take the direct route. No, yeah. that, that yeah. was mean. Yeah. Yeah. That was mean. Oh, they're yeah. looking for something. Valid. Yeah. All right. Um, no, but, but this is, he, David's right. I mean, I think, I think that's exactly why, and that's when we talked merger. Right. When we talked merger, this was part of the big discussion is like, hey, like we as two separate churches, it's cool that we disagree. We can still minister together. Can we be on staff together in a church where we have these different opinions? And that was that was part of it. It's like, yeah, because we know that what we're all about is preaching people the gospel um, and, and, and getting them to respond to Jesus. That's every goal, no matter what branch we come from. So I, I like that. Like we're all landing the plane on the same runway. Um and I was thinking about it, like, because you hate, like, when, when, from an Arminian perspective, when somebody says, "Oh, you, you lost your salvation," mm-hmm. you're like, "No, that that misrepresents my my feeling and my belief that you can choose to forfeit it." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I always used to say, you know, I don't think you can lose your salvation. I've tried to start adding to that because it's because I know from your per- like, because I don't mean to misrepresent somebody else's perspective. So I've tried to say or walk away from it or forfeit it. Because I think that just like I hate the phrase as a, as a reformed um, person, I hate the phrase once saved, always saved, right? Because that's never what we're talking about. That's not the, uh, that's not our intention in that, right? Yeah. It's not like you made a, a decision to follow Jesus when you were four at VBS yeah, yeah. and then you lived a terrible life and, oh, well, once saved, always saved, yeah. like you're going to go to heaven. Yeah. Like that's not reformed theology. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, the losing your salvation just drives me because it makes it sound like you're walking along and it fell out of your pocket. Right. It's just yeah. like, oh, where'd it go? Like yeah. I had it. Yeah. It's whereas, like, no, like, <laughs> whereas it, where, and so, and, and you're right. Like, so that's, you can have bad teaching about that. Yeah. Just like you can have bad teaching about this perseverance of the saints like well if you said the words once and you prayed the prayer then you're going to go to heaven no matter what Mm -hmm. well that's no different than you were baptized as a baby you're going to go to heaven no matter what like Mm -hmm. it just it's not biblical and Mm -hmm. and i know both of us we want to get to where we're getting because it's the best way we can understand what the bible actually says sure so so we've established that we're all gonna land in the same place yep regardless of where we're coming from um so why do we care about these things? Why do why do all of these um, scholarly men have you know they've written books about it mm-hmm. and um, you know debated and talked until we're blue in the face? Like why do we why do we talk about these things? Why do we care? Why can't we just read what's in the Bible and be good with that and not have to go into all of these different areas? Well, it's an interesting question because I don't think there's why do I I enjoy it because it really does it helps form my view of God who he is and, and what he does. And again, mm-hmm. it's not because I can't, you know, reform theology. It, it doesn't change necessarily that I'm going to see God from two different perspectives. Like it's going to change it all that much. But, you know, I, I think about some of the bad theology, right? So for an Arminian, 
Um, I, it makes me more comfortable and it's not about being comfortable. But I'm saying when you look at somebody that claims to be a Christian, right. And then they live against Christ. It is just like this false hope. You know, I think about funerals that we do and, and you know, we've talked about this before the, the countless funerals we do where, you know, you're talking and you're saying, well, what was their faith at? And you hear like all this stuff of like when they were younger or, mm-hmm. and, and, and you just kind of sit there and, and be like, ah, oh, there's this false hope of this once saved, always saved. And that's, again, that's the bad theology mm-hmm. part right. of it. Right. Yeah. So I think this is one of those reasons we, we have to, Again, it doesn't have to be primary, but people need to have these deeper discussions of theology because it does really challenge conclusions mm-hmm. and, and why we, we're coming at it the way we are. Um, again, there's a lot of people that are going to claim salvation, and, and they may have genuine, at some point felt genuine salvation. But as an Arminius, I said that as one example, I would sit there and be like, but you got to look at your life now. You know, Are you living the life that you're called to live? Where... Reformed theology would challenge, was it real? You know, that's what I'm saying. It's like either one you come from, it should be challenging why we live our lives the way we live them, right? So another bad theology, and again, I don't want to speak, but I would see it as bad theology as someone with Reformed theology that, you know, has this elect and they use that belief as a way to almost dismiss segments of people. Right. That's a bad, you know, because, you know, a true person be like, no, we preach the gospel because we don't know who the elect are. Mm -hmm. But again, that's challenging. Like, okay, but mm-hmm. it should challenge us. Why do we do the things we do? Why? What's right. motivating? What's striving it? You know, to yeah. to do the things we do. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like it. And plus, it's just fun to yeah. make fun of people. Yeah, I, I was like going to say for being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because I told somebody the other day. I'm like, well, I fully expect that David to repent by the end of our podcast. <laughs> no, I, I think it's it's important. But it's important that we remember it in the proper context. This is not something that we ever are going to break fellowship over. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are people that break fellowship over this kind of thing. And that should never be the case, right? Because as, as David's clearly articulated, we land in the same place. This is never a break fellowship. However... Right. We do want to understand to the best we can the things that God writes in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, it's good for us to dig in and understand the best we can what God gives us. Right. That's that's what theology and doctrine are, is the truth that can be known about what God's given us. He hasn't given us everything. Right. Because he's God and we're created. But he's given us a lot, and it's on us the best we can to understand mm-hmm. it and process it. And that's why this matters, even though it's not core. Cool. Yeah. Well, and I would just say, you know, to give context with it is um, John Wesley was one of the most famous Arminian, you know. Um, and then George Whitfield was actually a very strong mm-hmm. Reformed mm-hmm. theology. They were actually extremely close mm-hmm. in their younger years. Mm-hmm. And then because they had this split, they spent most of their ministries actually fighting, fighting against each other, each other like mm-hmm. publicly. Which like is, there was, is ridiculous. There was letter. I mean, they were publishing things going against one another um it wasn't until later in life that you know they they reconciled and they didn't neither one of them changed their position but as an example one of the things i just love is um wesley was actually asked you know um when when you get to heaven do you expect to see whitfield in heaven because of the stuff and this was later on in life and wesley actually said no i don't expect to see him there and the person's like oh i was afraid you were gonna say that and wesley's response was no you misunderstand what i'm saying he's like he's he, i'm paraphrasing but he basically says whitfield is so holy and so amazing and who he is he's like he's gonna be so close to the throne of god i won't get close enough to see him so i mean that that's the point of it is is yeah there should be healthy debate 
mm-hmm. around it. No division. But these two spent most of their ministries against yeah. each other. Yeah. And they were like, and we're talking like hardcore mm-hmm. proponents of both sides. Yeah. And, you know, that was the, you know, the point that they got to. So, well, and if someone know. has, we could have all the knowledge about all of these things. Right. You but mean, if you are, you know, unwilling to serve in the children's ministry or you see people stacking chairs and you're unwilling to go help stack, like you're missing the point. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's not the heart of God. Yeah. No, I mean, and, well, and, and so th- knowledge is good. Think about first Corinthians 13, right? You could have all the knowledge heart. that mm-hmm. you have, yeah. but no love. Yeah. Then you're just a resounding gong or a clinging yep. symbol, right? It's not worth anything if yep. it's not well, rooted in this. And, you're talking about Whitfield and, and Wesley, and I'm thinking about two. I just heard that story. I'm actually. thinking about, about two prominent theologians and pastors now that are um that are actually really close that land differently on this and it's it's awesome like you get john MacArthur, very much reformed mm-hmm. and rc sproul very much um arminian in theology mm-hmm. and yet they're buddies right and and they'll they'll you know they'll debate each other and, and poke at each other or whatever kind of in a fun way but but there's no division amongst them which is is kind of a nice model for how and, we try to do it and i don't think this is the stuff necessarily paul was talking about but paul challenges like you need or not paul but well if he wrote hebrews that's there's question mark there but in hebrews it says like move on from the elementary teachings right i'm not saying this is like the deep stuff but here's the thing we need to be willing to know why you believe what you believe mm-hmm. right and and again it doesn't matter if you land on arminian or reformed theology as much as you just don't take what you're told and and like if you grow up in a church just reformed theology great that's what you're going to hear but have you taken the time to study and say is this what i agree like do you know same with arminian it's like you know um it, it's not just taking it at face value versus like wrestle with it yourself because then mm-hmm. you know what you believe mm-hmm. like that's core to you now like in the sense of this is what's striving me to do what i do mm-hmm. and, and so that's why it's important to yeah you know i, I think that that's also I, i'm having a flashback the first time i heard about because i never heard about any of this right as a as an immature christian or whatever and i was leading a small group well before i was supposed to lead a small group right and um and Carrie and I were at, we're at our house, and, and we've got some college students over, and uh, we're, we're doing this. And one of them starts talking about election. And I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It makes no sense to me. That Amen. is blasphemy. <laughs> that is blasphemy, and I can't get on board with that, right? And so, so I, I get in, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like I, gotta, I gotta figure this out. Where is this coming from? And, and so then I'm like, oh, turns out it's in the Bible. Right. And so I'm reading and I'm, I'm reading books and I'm doing whatever so that I can refute this woman that's in our small group about how she needs to stop thinking this heretical stuff. And it turns out, you know, it's actually in the Bible. I just <laughs> I just didn't know the Bible very well. Right. And and so that was that was kind of one of my that was one of the first times I started getting serious about theology. Right. And and uh, um, that turned into reading all of John Grudem's systematic theology. Mm-hmm. It took about a year and a half to work through, but mm-hmm. but it was because I was like, man, I I I don't know. Right. Like I don't know sure. these things. I knew the elementary teachings of Christ, mm-hmm. but I didn't know these other things. And and it wasn't until working through those things that I thought, you know what, this is really interesting and exciting. And I, I think I want to pastor vocationally. It kind of came through that work, and so. Um, David's right. Like, like at some point it matters because we need to, we need to know why we believe what we believe and not just because we've been told. And, and the joke, you know, cause actually the Bible says it gets interesting because sometimes you could, when we talk differences, yeah. 
again, if you're listening to this, you could feel like, oh my gosh, I have to, you know, like taking this stand. Here's the thing. If you don't know who Wesley is and you don't know who Whitfield is, look him up. God used both of them to bring thousands yes. yeah. to Christ. Of elected predestined <laughs> people because of, Jesus. because of their glorious wow. free will given by God. It's time but, to break it out. But Jeff. that's the thing, though, is, is, is we have to be able to say that. So, oh, popcorn. That's awesome. We're breaking out the popcorn. Oh, I love it. I love but it. But anyway, that, that's the point is that's why it, it shouldn't be division because no. I can point at, you know, you go back to compliment. Uh, Complimentary. There you go. Egalitarianism. My, 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 my tongue stopped there. There's a lot of isms. Because even though you said I have a different background than what we do currently here, the way I land with that is here's the deal. I know churches that see it one way, God uses them. I know mm-hmm. churches that Absolutely. see it another way, God uses them. So here's the thing. It's not going to be a dividing point. It's going to be a I can see it different or people can see it different. But if we can point and say, but God uses. Yes. And God used Wesley and God used Whitfield mm-hmm. in amazing ways. Hallelujah. And yeah. So Okay. So let's let's move on to um, some listener questions. Listener questions. Yeah. Yes. I mean, don't you want to know the biblical support that I have yeah. for election? Yeah. yeah. Matt has like up, right? 15 more pages of typed, printed. Right. I'm like, so, you're not even going to ask me about what the Bible says about this? Just, just wait. On. Okay. All right. All right. It's like, okay. <laughs> I am excited. I love talking <laughs> I theology. Know. This is great. I know. I love you when you have this look of just like pure joy on your face. I know. This is, I, I love, I love talking this stuff too. This is. Um, yeah. So Matt. Yeah. How can Calvinism exist alongside the command to go and make disciples? If people are predestined, why does it matter what I do to advance the gospel? Because God says it does. Right. I mean, this is I, I get the question. Right. I do. I, I get the question. because. And if you could David, see David's face right now, right? See, he's but, dying. But this is the problem. And, and so I'm going to say this with 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 all respect to that question. It's where bad theology comes from. Bad theology comes, and, and, and I'm not talking about I, our... Hold on. I feel like this needs to be like a presidential debate where you get two minutes, yeah. and then you get two I minutes agree. for like yeah. a All rebuttal. Right. That's fine. But I'm not, I'm not <laughs> talking about bad theology. Like our, I'm not calling Arminians in bad theology, mm-hmm. but I, I think bad theology in general comes, and there have been councils all through church history dealing with bad theology, right, where, where councils have had to come together and affirm this is what's real, this is what's not. And... And, and all of those happen, I think, when we start trying to fill in the blanks, right? When, when we can take intellectually, we go as far as we can go, right? Because we're created and God's the creator and we go as far as we can go. And then we say, okay, at this point in time, we can't, we can't answer it all. We can go this far because the Bible goes this far and then we have to punt. And, and I, I feel like that's actually good theology, um, and I'm going to use this for an example, and I don't know if we've got Catholic friends that are listening, this might rub them the wrong way, and I don't, you know, but, but again, the idea of infant baptism, right, and that baptism saves, right? Well, that's not biblical, right? Infant baptism, I don't care if you want to baptize an infant, dedicate and baptize him, whatever, but the idea that baptism saves you, right, that's, that's not biblical. We don't read that in Scripture, Right? But what happens when I baptize an infant and then they live a horrendous life? Mm-hmm. Well, I got to figure out some way to make that okay. Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eventually weave my way, way around to purgatory, right? Because I'm trying to fill in the blanks. And I feel like iffy theology happens when we aren't comfortable just saying, we don't know. Do all babies that die go to heaven? I don't know. 
Do I hope so? Absolutely. Do I hope they do? Do I hope this idea of age of accountability is, is a real thing? Absolutely. Do I know? Can I create a theology around it? No, because the Bible doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like, again, I feel like wonky theology happens when we're not comfortable saying, I don't know. I just do what God says. Yes. And, and or it's above my pay grade. I feel as like you like to, and I know use. David hates when I, <laughs> David hates when I use this verse in this context, but I mean, it's, it's, I think really very clear. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord. Uh, our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. And I think the idea there is, is there are things that we won't know. And what's ours to focus on are the things that God has made very clear. And God has made very clear that we are to go. How will they believe if they haven't heard? How will they hear if we don't go? Right? So whether God has elected them for salvation or not, his the way that he wants to work that out is for us to go and share. And so we do. Um, and so, again, that might not be a satisfactory answer to someone that's decided, well, um, election trumps free will, which I don't believe it does. Um, but if we say election trumps free will, then, you know, we don't ever have to get to that person. They'll just be saved. Well, mm -hmm. actually, that happens, right? We see dreams in the Middle East and people with no intervention from outside people coming to faith because God is doing that to them, um, not doing it for everyone um, in, you know, places where there is no gospel. He's doing it to some. Um, but but we go because that's what we're told to do. That's where we're told to go. Okay. David, that was well over two minutes. David? Oh, I didn't oh, know we were talking. No, no. Mine, mine <laughs> is that a real thing? Mine will be a little bit quicker. Here's Can you thing. put I, a timer in there? I think I need one. I agree okay. with every. When I say I agree with mm. everything, I agree with that that is where uh, Reformed theology can have a bad theology in the sense of, you know, well. Yeah. What we don't go. It's not really Reformed hey, theology, but it can be bad. My time. Oh, all Presidential right. Presidential okay. debate here. Okay. I'm all sorry. Right, you're, I had you're to. You you're just. Good. Valid. <laughs> Alan. All right, done. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. You know, um, I'll just turn my microphone off and it's not my turn. <laughs> so I agree wholeheartedly with that. And that's why Matt and I can agree because he still is one that says, no, we, we don't know. So we preach to everyone. This is again, where Arminianism comes from my point of view. Um, it, it's all in how you just kind of look at scripture and see it. Um, so I'll, I'll use, you alluded to it, but it's in Romans. And, and so what would motivate an Arminian to preach the gospel is in Romans chapter 10, when Paul is laying out salvation and what it looks like and how, how it's accomplished. He says two different things. He says, first, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And then he goes on and he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he says, and how will they know unless if, you know, if they haven't believed, if someone goes, if they're not sent, that's Matt alluded to that. This is where, again, it's not to debate the hair, you know, with this, like, like getting all, you know, mm -hmm. detail -y. But from an Arminian point of view, we would focus on the, the Bible says everyone, anyone, right? So there's this, you know, now I, I'm not going to speak for Matt. I know other reformed theology people have said to me, well, yes, it means that, but that's, that's talking about the elect. Any of the elect to call on the Lord. Every one of the elect to call on the Lord. Again, motivation is we don't know who the elect are, so we preach to everyone. Arminianism would say it's op it's a welcome to everyone, so we preach to everyone. So again, it's we land in the same we preach to everyone. Mm -hmm. That's where the plane needs to land, yeah. right? So yeah. 
But that's where we would come from when we see scripture to say everyone who calls anyone who calls on the Lord. So, and, and I would I would just echo that yes, that that is that is the promise that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? And that is within everyone's free will to do that. They have the decision to do that. There is never anyone who is going to want to call on like is in the deep in their core is going to want to call on the name of the Lord that will be turned away, right? In, in our, the way that humanly we experience free will is we have a desire, we have a drive, we can follow it through. And that's what God promises in our freedom. And we get to do that. Arminian, uh, reformed, doesn't matter. We get to do that. The, the question is, will people that don't, right, that, that aren't called by God, elect by God, will they want to do that? Of course they won't want to do that. So it's not like God is there turning away going, you want to pick me but I didn't allow you to, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody in their freedom of will is going to say, I want God, and then be turned away. Uh, You are going to have people that say, I want God, and they will choose God. And you'll have people that will reject God and not want anything to do with him, and they will do so. Um, And in their freedom, they get to do that. Okay. Um, David. Can can I... Can I follow up with Romans 9 since we're talking about Romans? I suppose. Because right after, I, I, I get what David's saying. When he, talks about, when he talks about everybody can choose. And then after this, no more free passes. Is that a free pass? Yes, I'm just, we're, we're, I mean, we're talking about the Bible. <laughs> um, but I, in, you're reading in Romans 8, right? Yeah. Well, so or, I'm sorry, Romans 10. So in Romans 9, right before he says that, right, he, here's what he says um, in verses 11 you know, and, and on. Um, he's talking about Rebecca and Isaac and, and some of those gods, but says, yet before the twins were born, Jacob and Esau, before the twins were born or had anything good or bad in order that God's purpose and election might stand, right? Like this is not foreknowledge. This is he chose before they'd done anything good or bad, right? This isn't about their behavior. It's the election, not not by works, but by him who calls, she is told the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I've hated. And then Paul, anticipating the argument, right, says, what then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion, right? It doesn't therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy, right? And then he goes on to talk about Pharaoh, how God chooses to harden Pharaoh's heart. Well, at the same time, it says Pharaoh hardens his own heart. Like, like there is this, this decision that God makes then that works itself out in the free will of other people. And, and we don't get to say, he says in verse 19, then one of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? Mm -hmm. Right? Like if he didn't pick us, why does he still blame us? And Paul doesn't answer that except to say, that's above your pay grade. And I know we, we get sick of hearing that, but that's basically what Paul says. Paul's answering the question when he says, look, God picked some, he didn't pick others. Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, well, well, time out. How can we still be blamed? And he says, for who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the object of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy? who he prepared in advance for his glory, 
even us whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. So, I mean, he goes into this great length to say, look, God gets to make some as objects of wrath. What if, Paul's, Paul's basic answer is, what if he does that to show his great love and mercy to those that he's chosen, right? That's, a, that's not for you to figure out. And, and I hate that it's in there, but to me, it's like, you know, that right. seems to be straightforward. Right. And it flows right into then him saying, so whoever will should come to God, and whoever won't, won't. Um, so I, I think there's there's this train of thought that Paul has from the beginning that says mm-hmm. God has chosen some, like he did with Esau and Jacob. You don't get to argue because he's God. Mm-hmm. So therefore, whoever will choose, will choose. So let's go preach the gospel. Right. So I, I just think it's one long thought. And I'd like to continue but we got to keep moving for time's sake (laughs) so um david you get the next extra sorry about that (laughs) david yeah can we be responsible for someone going to hell can we be responsible of someone going to hell um i'm gonna uh, see i don't know i don't (laughs) know that's an unfair question i don't know if i like the word responsible complicit Um, I, I wish I could. I could think. I'm of it. assuming it the is, context is their meaning, like because we didn't do yes what we were supposed to do by we can we will be held responsible. Yes, to their, their their choice was still their choice, but we are responsible if we do not fulfill the responsibilities that God has called us to. And I can't tell you off the top of my head where it's at, but it's actually based on. Uh, I, I base that on a scripture in Ezekiel where where it talks about you know Watch if there's Tower. a wicked man, yeah, you know if if, if, if you and you don't warn them, his blood is on your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but if you do and they don't listen then their blood is not so um basing it on that yes we will be held responsible not like it's my fault they're there mm-hmm. as in the sense of like you sent them there but yes there when we i think this is when we go back to you know the the throne seat of christ the judgment seat of christ this is some of the stuff that we're going to have to face mm-hmm. these are the things where god's going to show us the people that we were responsible and we didn't take those, cha- you know, take those opportunities. So yes, we will have to face that. Mm-hmm. Um, does it determine my salvation? No. Does it determine, you know, whether I'm going to be accepted by Christ? No. Uh, it determines those giftingness, or not? The, it determines the rewards, right? It determines the the. Let's see what you built your life out of: precious sure. stones, gold, silver, straw, hey, things that are burned up. So. Um, that would be my response to that. And it's an excellent response. I just wanted to be sarcastic when he's like, does it determine my salvation? I was going to be like, well, depends on how many times it happened, right? Because you know, um, that was me being sarcastic. But no, I think that's a great answer. I think his answer is perfect for Reformed theology or Arminian theology, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that we're ever responsible. Like if God has called those and, and, and elected some before the foundation of the world, then... I don't know that I'm ever going to be like, oh, that person's in hell and I missed my opportunity, right? But I think that God very clearly is going to, at that judgment seat, he's going to say, you know what? I put this in front of you. This was a work I created a long time ago for you to do, and you missed it, mm-hmm. right? doesn't mean that God won't, it, like what Mordecai says to Esther, right? Like God is going to redeem the Jews, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's not the issue. The Jews will survive so, this. So that person that they put in front of you will have still chosen God just through another means. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I, I think okay. that, that's and what... It's that's not what, like they're going to they're gonna be in hell because you missed right. it even though Right, Ag- agreed. I think okay. it, God God's not going to be thwarted, but I think what we're going to see is what we see Mordecai tell Esther um, when she says, no, I'm not going to go talk to the king about this. Like, you guys are going to have to figure something out. And he says, look, 
look, God is going to have his way, but this is why he put you here. So don't make him do it a different way. Gotcha. Do your job. Makes sense. Right? Like, like you are in this position at this time mm-hmm. for this moment. Don't blow it. But he makes clear, God will redeem the Jews. That's not at stake. What's at stake is you doing what he gave you to do right now. Okay. Matt. How can people... David David had a response no, to that. No, he had the original. You had the rebuttal. I know. We're moving. It's, oh. Let's move on. All right. I okay. want to rebuttal clear back to chapter... How can... <laughs> listen, no, maybe I we need like... to have like an extended version and a short version. Right. Like we're we're getting... We're coming up on an hour, guys. Oh, is it really? Yes. Oh, geez. So... Feels like just five minutes. Matt, um, how can people have free will to choose Jesus if Jesus has predestined them not to choose him? Yeah, I think that is a, a fair question. Um, I feel like this is a prerequisite for every podcast is the phone has to ring. The phone does have to it ring. It does ring every time. I don't even know Sounds who that is. Sounds like spam. Okay. Okay, so, so let me say, how can people have free will to choose Jesus if Jesus has predestined them not to choose him? That is one of the the two most popular objections, right, to, to this doctrine of election. Um, and so, so I'm going to answer in two ways, right? And, and the first way is, I'm not sure that's for me to figure out. Yeah, right. I'm not sure that's for us to figure out, right? Because if the reality is God says election is real, God says free will is real, then again, the way I understand theology is I'm going to take both of those at their word and I'm not going to try to be God in figuring out how they intertwine. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to be okay with that the same way I'm okay with the doctrine of the Trinity does not make human intellectual sense. Right. Right. But I'm okay with believing that there is one God who exists in three distinct yet together parts, um, uh, modes. And I'm okay with that. But the way I would answer the question to the best of my human ability is that God never says that freedom of will for humans happens outside of his direction. It's never happened and the Bible actually tells the opposite, right? Like, like the story of God is sovereign. We know God's sovereign, right? We know that God's plans are going to happen. We see it with Jesus. What is, what does Peter say when he's talking in this sermon, right? He's like, you, this is God. You guys killed him. But you killed him because that was God's plan from the beginning. You're still guilty of killing him. You're not off the hook. You still turned him over to be crucified. But why did that happen? Because God decided and directed that it would be that way, right? Like, but they still have the free will to decide in that moment what they were going to do, but it happened at God's direction. The Bible never seems to draw a distinction between the two, right? They both can exist at the same time in the same way. And I would just say again, that God's will always works in concert with human, um, human will, um, human choice. Uh, there is never going to be someone that wants to turn to God that can't turn to God. Anybody that desires in their heart, in their core to follow God will be able to. Okay. David. Uh, so free will is interesting. Um, again, it's the, it's the, it's the foundation, a lot of it, of the whole Arminian thinking. So um, the, the way we would see this is um, some of the ways that, that 
Arminian thinking or theology tries to see it as a, as a negative or, or not biblical is because they try to say, well, it goes against the idea of total depravity, you know, the, you know, totally deprived this idea of, well, you're basically saying that man is still good enough that they can choose God where the Bible tells us no one seeks after God. No one desires God. No one, you know, the, the issue with that is, is it's all still to the glory of God, even in free will, because it's all based on God's grace. Uh, Arminianism would, would state that there's this aspect of God's grace and they actually give it a name they call uh, prevenient grace which basically it just means comes before so the idea behind it is yes no one can choose God on their own even the idea of free will I, I will never desire God I will never want God the only reason I am able to choose God to choose Jesus is God's grace in the first place it's all God's grace it's it's nobody is going to sit there one day and say I need Jesus um, that's why, you know, uh, Arminian would, uh, you know, like for me, one of the things I can't stand is when I hear people say, well, I chose Jesus. It's like, no, you didn't. Yes. We believe God chose you because of God's grace. You did not wake up one day and say, I need Jesus. It's God's grace that showed you that. So, um, that's how we see free will in this is that it's not that some people are better than others that they just all of a sudden see God pours out his grace. And we would tie that to Romans. Romans says that, uh, creation itself speaks that God exists. So we would say that that's God's grace is that everywhere you look, you see God's existence and that is his grace revealing himself to us. And it's only through that grace that you would choose. And the other thing that we, you know, I would say I wrestle with is I look at a lot of scripture and, and I have a hard time again. And I agree with what Matt says or something, you know, and, and if I'm wrong with this, I get it. It's beyond my pay grade. Um, but there are certain things like, you know, old Testament, new Testament there, God says over and over, come to me, come to me, all who are thirsty, come to me, Jesus, come to me, all who are weary and heavy. There's this invitation and, and it seems like an open invitation. So that's why it's hard for me to, to, to get, that's where the free will comes in. That invitation is to everyone. If you choose to accept God's grace in drawing you to himself, um, you know, Jesus even said this in, in John, there's a place where he's talking to, uh, I think the religious leaders and he basically tells them, he says that you refuse to come to me and have eternal life. So again, there's this, it, it's, it, that's where, again, I agree with Matt that it still kind of blows my mind, but that's why it's hard for me to, to wrap on to election the way that reformed theology has it away from free will in, in the sense of, it just seems loaded that God has these invitations, but then it's like, but you can never come to it. Sure. You know, it's like, come to me all, but only if you're chosen. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying, but that's, that's how it feels. Right. right? And, and so, you know, and the other thing that I, you know, Matt, you kind of said this at the beginning, I'm not trying to like, we're going to play the presidential and be like, I'm going to ask a question. Um, but to kind of, because you're saying when it comes to free will and election, you know, that yes, God does direct our free will, which I agree with that. That's that, that grace, right? He's guiding us and he's directing us and he's trying. But to me, election doesn't feel like he's directing. It's determined. He's determined our free will. So then that's where the Arminian would wrestle with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you still call it free will? With yes, 100% direct. See, but determination is different. So anyways, that, that would be. He asked a question. Well, I'm sorry. You're, you're, she, Malia's pointing I'm at me trying like, to I keep don't. us moving. But he asked a question. Can I answer the question? <laughs> yes, answer okay. the question. All right. In 30 I'll, seconds or less. Okay. I would just say, I, I would say, I, I appreciate. I've got three more questions. I appreciate your, your definition of free will, but that's not God's definition of free will. God never in scripture defines a free will that exists without his providential influence. Never. 
And so while I get from a human perspective, I'd say, well, that's not really free. I don't know that's what God ever promised us. Any more than, again, we look at the many examples in Scripture where God seems to indicate that people chose freely in a way that jived with what he had foreordained. Like, again, go back to Moses and Pharaoh, right? Before that even happens. Am I over 30 seconds? All right, Moses and Pharaoh. <laughs> Again, the early church, the early church and the crucifixion of Jesus and, and, and the Pharisees. And then I'm out because my time's up. So, so the, okay. So again, the, the different points, uh, the, the, what I would start with that is the foreordained, foreordained, foreordained <laughs> versus pr, like foreknowledge. We'll just eat our yeah. popcorn. So again, you, you'll have, I mean, here's where again, where I wrestle with that because mm-hmm. with that idea, then. And, and you might say this is just a silly thought, but I just can't let it go, is then does that mean God foreordained the fall? Because, I mean, if, if nothing happens other than what is predetermined by God in the context of free will, then was the fall itself foreordained by God? See, do, and that, do I get to go? I'm looking at Malia. Like, do I have permission? And again, I'm not trying okay. to say like loading it. Like if you yeah. say yes, it was. I'm not saying that's wrong or bad. I'm just saying that's where yeah. another point of mine is. Okay, so, was that God laid out a plan of salvation in the foreknowledge of what would happen based on the free will he gave to Adam and Eve? Hey, don't eat of this. That's the rule. That's, you're going to break it and I know it. Yes, that's where an Arminian yeah. would come from. He knew what would happen. So mm-hmm. he planned a plan of salvation, mm-hmm. right? Versus I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make it. That yeah. you have to, you're going to eat the fruit. Yeah, no, certainly. So, so I, I mean, I get what you're asking and I That's would say, question. I would say, I agree with you completely that, that God made a plan of salvation knowing that people or that Adam and Eve were going to rebel. Like that wasn't a surprise to him. He knew it was going to happen. He didn't cause them to rebel. Um, and I'm not suggesting that God causes everything to happen. Um, I am suggesting though that the language of election, I mean, if, if we're looking at what those words mean, right, in, in Greek and how they're used, um, there is is no connection to based on knowledge. It's just, it's not what it is. In fact, Paul says the opposite in 9 uh, when he's talking about Jacob and Esau, and he says, uh, Moses says the opposite in Deuteronomy 7, right? It, it's not based on you. Right, it's based on me and my love and my glory. I chose this, right? So it's not a, it's just not a for. Um, I know what you're gonna do, so therefore you're elected because you did what was right in the future, and I knew that that was gonna happen. That's almost a works-based kind of a theology, or at least it's the beginning of it. Like I know what you'll choose, so I'm gonna allow you to choose it. It doesn't really fit that way. Um, and so while I would say I get what you're saying about creation and about the fall, I think we're talking two different things, right? We're talking one is, is God didn't, no, God didn't choose that Adam and Eve would fall, but he never said in the Bible that he would choose that. He did say that he would choose some for salvation, and he does say that in Scripture. So again, I, I, would, I would just say I'm not, I'm not mad at what you're saying. I just don't know that he ever said in Scripture that this was what he would decide. All right. With regards to Adam and Eve. Next question. Um, can I, I know can you. I pause? Are you nope, making it's your all good. so yeah. we can finish it's this all good. later? It's all good. <laughs> After we're off podcast. Uh, Matt. Yeah. How could we listen? I got you. I'm in. People, hey, listen, if somebody's listening to this, it's because they want to spend the time. Right. Yeah. How could Jesus 
have died for all sinners if God has chosen some sinners not to receive grace. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know that there's a new way to answer that question. When we mm-hmm. talked about like, uh, like um, limited atonement or mm-hmm. full atonement, when Dave and I talked about that earlier, um, I think the reality is it's it's the same again the same invitation which is genuine right like like i know we're thinking in human terms it's not a genuine invitation god is not human he is not like like i mean what do do we read in isaiah like god's ways aren't our ways he's far above when job asks god what are you doing god doesn't answer what he's doing he just reminds him hey dude i'm god and and job's like yeah you're right never mind um, I, I think in this instance, it's a very real invitation that Jesus makes. Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come and drink, right? That the, the gospel is there. If you want to say yes to it, say yes to it. Um, the blood of Jesus covers sin for anyone that will come. Um, I, I mean, I think those are all very real invitations. Yeah, I mean, I read them in Scripture, and I believe they are very real invitations. I have no problem believing that. I just have to marry that with these other things that I read in uh, over half of the books in the New Testament, right, that that talk about election and predestination and this call of God that happens before um, the world. And so that's the best way I marry the two, right? That's, again, and and, and whether that's right or wrong, I'll find out when I get there, but that's the way I, I try to do all of my theology is the Bible says it. And to the best of my understanding, this is how we move forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, David? I mean, I really don't have much more to say. I mean, other than um, from – I don't want to say this is my stance per se. As like, I don't think a lot about this. But I know Arminian thinking would say, if Christ died for all, but yet all are not able to receive said salvation, then there is a – then – there's elements of Christ's blood that was shed in vain is basically how that's approached is wouldn't that be is, true with Arminianism as well? It would, but it's again, it goes back to again, the person doesn't receive it because they chose to reject versus they never had the ability in the first place, which is, I think why so, Calvin came up with this idea of limited atonement, which he did. I mean, it was his best it makes answer. total sense. It was his best answer yes. to that question, which I think is again, where we get bad theology as he was trying to, make it fit in a human way. Well, um, I mean, but, it makes sense why. Because, again, if you look at the steps of Arminianism and the steps of, of Calvinism, if you go that the five, they make total sense how they work with one another, right? If there's an election, then, yeah, of course, it, yeah, Jesus ain't going to die for everyone. So that's where I – because I know five-point Calvinists that would be very adamantly – not happy with a four point, <laughs> meaning if you well, don't agree with this yeah. one, which is, um, which is why I never claim to be a Calvinist, right? No, Cause, but cause they won't have me. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the thing. And, and so it just shows you there's divisions even amongst, you know, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. people that call themselves. Um, but that, that would be one of my struggles with that is I believe 100% Jesus died for the sins of everyone. So maybe it is just a human thought, but I, I can't reconcile, but you're never able to receive it. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. To, mm-hmm. to, to, it's a gift. Like, so I, I bought you the gift, but you can't have it. That, and again, that could be a human. Maybe that's my mm-hmm. humanity that just can't yeah. wrestle with that. But that don't seem. Yeah. It just don't seem logical. And honestly, I think that's the best way to sum up these two different perspectives. Is, is at some point in time, and, and, and God gives us intellect, 
right? He absolutely gives us intellect. So it's not wrong that David is saying, I can't make that work. I can't see how that works. So here's where I'm going to land. But it's also not wrong for me to say, I know I'm not God. Um, And again, I always go back to the Trinity because it's the easiest example of something that doesn't make human sense, but we just know it's true. Mm -hmm. And I would say in the same way, I I don't know, but what the Bible says, we're going to go with, and that's what you're doing. And so ultimately, that's where we kind of land on this. Mm -hmm. It's like... We're not God. Right. And, so. I, and I know there's more questions, but this is a bit like, I just, yeah. I don't want to be like Bible, but you know, that's where it comes from. Armenia, it's not just me wrestling that I have two scriptures, especially yeah, there's more it. than that. But Timothy, Paul actually says, this is uh first Timothy chapter two. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, uh, actually, if you look at all one through six, but I'm not going to read all of it, but it, it says um, that. This is good and pleasing. God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. So, again, there's an Arminian kind of wrestle with this. But God's saying, I want all men. And then again, in chapter four, um, verse nine, uh, Paul says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this, we labor and strive that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. So this is where the two Marys, where Paul is saying that God is the savior of all men. That's where we get unlimited atonement. Mm -hmm. He has saved all men. But this is especially true to those that have, by God's grace, chosen the salvation, especially those who believe. So again, on a, on a uh, Reformed Calvinist, you'd say the same thing. Well, yeah, he died from it, but it's to the elect more. Right. We would, an Arminian would see that from a free will point of view, those who have chosen to believe. Yeah. So, so again, those, you know, and then you go back to Second Peter. Second Peter talks about that. This is why God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. So this is where this idea comes from of there's different scriptures where Paul and Peter are saying God's desire is for all to come to repentance. That's why it's hard for me to jive this idea of, but it's not offered to everyone. Yeah. So, so again, that's just, you know, so scripturally, I agree. I like, I don't, I don't disagree that that's it's hard. It's funny to, watching you guys. Like you guys yeah, get so sad. Like, I can tell like, Matt's I'm got like, things to say. David's got things I'm to like, say. I'm like, I, but I don't disagree with what you're saying. That is hard to jive, except in, in first Timothy and second Timothy and in second Peter, those two letters that you referenced, um, in other verses in that same text, Paul is affirming and Peter is affirming that predestination and election are a real thing that's happened. And so, like, like again, if I'm if I'm reading, I'm like, yes, both are true. I mean, here's what he says in let's let's look David's at, faces. Oh, yeah, let's let's look at Peter. So here here's what he says in in First Peter. You know, to God's elect. I mean, he starts the letter We're by saying, the rails hey, now. to God's elect. And and then if you look, what is what does that word elect mean? What is what is that word, and how does it how does it play out? The word elect. I'm is, really glad you brought popcorn, Chana. The word elect is the act of yeah, picking out or choosing a decree made from choice by which he determined to bless certain persons through Christ by grace alone, um, and it's the idea. Um, it, it's the same word that God uses when He says to Ananias in Acts nine, um, Ananias. There's this dude, Paul. I chose him, right? I broke him. Go get him, right? Paul didn't do that. Paul was on his way. Paul was on his way to murder Christians, and God, in his own decision, broke Paul supernaturally on the way. Like, 
That wasn't something Paul was like on the way pondering, like, oh, I wonder if maybe I'm getting this wrong. I better stop and think more about Jesus, right? He's walking on the road and God breaks him and says to Ananias, go talk to him because I decided that he was the one that was going to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and I'm going to show him everything it's going to cost him. Same word he uses, Peter, when he says to God's elect. And he does write like about these things about in free will and decision, but you know, he starts by acknowledging that this choosing of God is a real thing. And we just, see, that's what I'm saying is I just don't think we can skip over that. Yes, free will is a real thing. God promises it and we have to understand it. But I think we have to understand it in light of these other things that are very real in scripture. And it can make sense to say, well, God just elected everybody. Like, and then whoever responds is, is that, and, um, or God knew what was going to happen. And so therefore he, they, he refers to them as the elect, but that's not what the words mean. And that's not what we see play out in scripture where there are examples of it. And so, I, I mean, I, I would agree with you about the free will. Absolutely. It's in there. Absolutely. It's taught. It's just taught in conjunction with this other idea. All right. Wow. This is like the first time there's a lull in the conversation. I was like, I'm keeping. I'm biting my. David um, doesn't want to have uh, a yeah. lull here. I was I'm like, biting. I was like, well, I might as well just get some work done. No, no. While I'm like, here. <laughs> Did you pull up emails or something? Or um, I'm working. Um, <laughs> I'm biting my tongue because you have stuff. So yeah. Get your so stuff. one of them, I think we've covered good enough. The losing your salvation thing. We've talked about that. Um, Here's the question. How does election work? Um, actually, this is, for, this is for Matt again. How does election work when the Bible says he doesn't show favoritism? Um, or partiality. Here's, here's the deal. Um, I'm just going to read again, like what the, From Bible, the Bible says. <laughs> right? I, I mean, again, I, I know it sounds sarcastic, but I don't. This is where I will always come to here's the best I can understand from scripture. Uh-huh. And the best I can understand from scripture is God showed in, yes, the Bible says God doesn't show partiality, right? In the same way, God showed partiality, right? To, to the nation of Israel. And he makes clear that he chose them for no other reason. God showed partiality to Esau, or I'm sorry, to Jacob when he chose him instead of Esau. He said, it wasn't anything that Esau did. It was just because I chose this. Um, and then in Romans 9, you know, he talks about, one of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? Like if his will is that some be saved and some not, why does he blame us? Right? And he says, but who are you, O human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? You know, and he goes on to, to talk about some doomed for destruction and some doomed for glory and, or destined for glory. And, and, that's just what the Bible says. And so I, I get the question and the angst of like, I don't know how to reconcile that with the idea that God says he doesn't show favoritism. I get it. That's a hard thing to reconcile. But as much as I have to agree the Bible does say that about favoritism, I have to understand and, and acknowledge that the Bible does say this about God's choosing and forming some in this way and choosing and forming some in this way, mm-hmm. all to his glory. Mm-hmm. David, you are just deep in thought over there. No, it's hard because there's so many things that go through my head. Like while he's talking, I, I want to say it at the moment and then I forget it. Like don't really forget issue, it, right? but then I'm like, because then he says something else and I'm like, oh, and then that's why I'm on know. that one. Well, that's yeah. why we that's why we interrupt each other all the time because it's like if I don't say it now, it's gonna fall apart. Yeah, yeah. 
I get that, man. Yeah. No. Um, again, it's a question that, that would line up with, and I get what Matt, this is, again, there's no, we're going to get to heaven and it'll be really interesting to find out who, not like you're right, right, you're wrong, but like, <laughs> I was going to say, these are the parts you're right on. These are the parts you're wrong. That, that's on. it. Right. The, Cause there's so many different, you know, but I would say whoever is more right gets the other person to buy them dinner, whatever that looks like in heaven. So, okay, there you go. Taco John's. Taco John's for David. Taco John's. I mean, will Taco John's be redeemed? Is Uh, that a thing? (laughs) Anyways, um, this, again, it comes down from, I agree with Matt, there are things, you know, so basically it's, I'm not saying he's saying this and he might argue it, but. I won't. um, You know, I like how, you know, he's coming from, yes, I get, I'm looking at the favoritism question and and I'm seeing it through this lens, Right. Which I agree. That's what we should do. The same thing is me on the other side, though, is I'm saying, okay, God, or Matt, I get what God's saying about election, but I'm looking at it through a lens of what about all this, right? So I'm kind of saying the same. We're both saying the same. We're coming from different perspectives. Matt's saying, well, I'm going to understand these scriptures through the lens of this you know, election and predestination, and that's how I'm going to see it. Arminianism looks at all these other scriptures and says, okay, we're going to try to understand election and predestination through this lens of this other stuff too. So I'm not saying either one of us are denying the other side. It's just, we're starting from a different point of view. So I would say the same thing, you know, somebody might come to me and say, if you know, and and that, that, that's the point that I was thinking as you were saying that is like, I don't want to say Matt sitting here dismissing, you know, because some people might say, well, I'm dismissing the scriptures on election and predestination. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm trying to understand from this lens of these other scriptures too. Where Matt's saying, okay, I'm trying to understand favoritism through the lens of predestination, though. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's that's why these are deep discussions where there's never going to be a oh, yep, that's 100%. It. This right is it. That, that's the thing. Because some people might be listening to this that are on Matt's side going, yeah, you know, like, that makes total sense. Well, I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm just saying I'm coming from a different perspective of the entirety of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And he's coming from his point of the entirety of Scripture. So... And, and this is why I would say, um, I, I mean, I, I agree with that completely, that we all, we all have different lenses. This is why I would say the best theology, and I'm not saying you're not doing this or I'm not doing this. I just, this is where I think the best theology validates what the Bible says, even if it seemingly contradicts and just says, okay, right? Um, and, and that is what it is. And, and I go back to the example of Job, right? Job, at the beginning of that book, he's like, you know what? Um, Naked when you come into the world, you're naked when you go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? Because he's like, I have to validate that my life sucks right now and that everything is against me. I also have to validate that God is good and powerful, and I know it. And so both must be true, and that's what we have to do. And I think there are times in Scripture where we, where we do too much look through this lens to explain that or that lens to explain this when this is where I go back. I, I know it's tired, but Deuteronomy 29, 29 to say, like, here's what the Bible says. Here's what I, I can know for sure that this is a thing. I can know for sure that this is a thing. Can I in my humanness know how they marry? Probably not right? But it doesn't mean that I can invalidate either one. And I, I think, um, and, and then we can have debate on the intricacies of what influences what and how it goes. And that's what we're doing. But I, neither one of us is, when you say it's like, well, this lens or that lens, neither one of us is dismissing any part of scripture. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think that's why we can safely say we're okay mm-hmm. <laughs> as we land on this because sure. nobody's invalidating anything. Um, Shauna? Mm-hmm. 
I know you were like, don't ask me anything. Do you have any any additional follow-up questions or thoughts that you want to add? No. No? <laughs> um, okay, so real quick. 60 seconds. David, what are, what are your like final closing thoughts here? My biggest thing when it comes to the, the view of Arminianism is the reason I appreciate it so much is because when you get down to the core of it, at least the way I understand it, is it really does give all just I see it giving so much glory to God. Like all significance, because it goes back to, again, it's all about God's grace. You know, I agree with Matt. There can be this work salvation mentality behind it. But a person that really understands scripture and even from this point of view, no one will ever boast in I chose. It, mm -hmm. It's this. It's all by the grace of God. God gets all the glory. And here's the thing. From an Arminian point of view, God will get the glory for those who choose him. But here's the thing, God's still going to get the glory for those that don't choose him. And it's hard for us to, I mean, it's even hard for me to wrap my head around that. But God will, when he judges and he sends people to be separated for all eternity, it still brings God glory because it shows his holiness and his righteousness mm -hmm. and, and his dealing of sin. It sucks that that's what has to happen. Mm -hmm. But so from the foundation of all of it, it's, it's like God still gets all the credit from the moment of pouring his grace out to show me himself and to lead me to him to me choosing, to me having faith, it's all still God. So bad Arminian theology is someone that thinks that they have a part to play other than it's all because God allowed me to do it. Mm -hmm. I can't breathe unless he lets me. I can't choose him unless he lets me. But at all that foundational, it's open to all. So That's good. Matt? Uh, you know what? I, I like the... 60 the, seconds or less. I like the tack David took there. And I, I, will, I will say in the same, because we've talked about... Our, our views on this, but I will, you talked about bad Arminian theology. I think bad reform theology says, Hey, um, there's something good about me that God shows me. Whereas that is completely contrary to anything, right? It was like, you are not good, right? Total depravity. You are not good. Um, and God still decided. And it, it, this, this idea that if it is yours, if salvation is yours, you will see it to the end. Um, you know, Peter says that second Peter says, um, you know, therefore my brothers and sisters make every effort to confirm your calling and election so that you will never stumble. Like, like it's this idea that, that even in that sentence, if election means what, what we think it means, right. Um, you look at Strong's or you look at any of the things that translate Greek. I don't speak Greek, but it's this idea that, that election is this you were chosen. But Peter still says, but man, you got to make every effort to make it real in your life. Don't don't think. And I, that's why I think some people would be like, oh, I, I understand Jesus, so I'm chosen. And they don't have to do anything. That's not. No, that's not real faith. Um, that's a false understanding and and, it, and it, they you you need to repent and so i think a lot of bad theology comes from reformed just as much as it as david was saying it does from from mm -hmm. arminian and that's why the focus is on you just get right with jesus mm -hmm. um, so i think my biggest takeaway today shauna is that how can we expect these guys to preach in a limited amount of time on right. Sunday mornings <laughs> when we yeah. can't even get through a podcast. Oh, but I um, love you guys. You I said, do. you said this could be longer it, podcast. I, Has I it said, been an hour I and a half? Longer, I didn't mean 90 minutes. I have a whole section on eternal security that we didn't even get to. So, Dude, me too. Here's like, the thing. I've said you're going like, when are we going to get to that? Wow, guys. I have um, more. Dude. If you are still listening, <laughs> I mean, I would just say, 
well done thy good and faithful <laughs> servant. Wow. <laughs> it's been it's been long. Um it has been really interesting. It's been good. So no, I would say good. I would say thank you for um listening to our special bonus episode this week. And if you have follow up questions, uh these guys love to talk about these things. So shoot them your questions. Um, because I'm sure they've got a lot. Just be careful what you ask for because they have a lot of answers for you. <laughs> but we appreciate you. David, thank yes. you. No, thank you for... No, thank you. Now you're going to hug it out. And I was I was gonna buy him lunch, but Aww. I just appreciated like Shauna's facial expressions about eleven fifteen. Like she's like, she's like I'm out. I'm like, like I'm I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean I can buy you lunch too if that's what you're if that's what you're hinting at. I mean I'll I'll, I'll buy lunch for everybody. She was back to her. Just love Jesus. Like, <laughs> exactly. exactly. And you know what? Approach. And honestly, that's where we end. Right. And started. Just love yeah. Jesus. Exactly. So ninety um, minutes later, we found. Perfect. We found the answer. Jesus. Perfect. So, <laughs> Alina just wants to end it. Guys. Hey, y'all. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs>